Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rocket Summer. Rolling. Take the one. words passed among the people in the open airing houses. Rocket Summer. The warm desert air changing the cross patterns on the windows, erasing the artwork. Hello and welcome to All Through a Lens. This is the podcast about film photography where we discuss a little more than just film photography. I'm Vanya. And I'm Eric. And we're back on this, our very first episode of the third season, because we just make shit up as we go. We'll be telling you how we spent our summer vacations. Tiffin will drop by for a chat and we'll give you a quick history on rocket cameras. And we promise this will all make sense. But first, Eric. What? How the hell are you? Oh, I'm the hell good. (laughs) I am stoked as hell, hell to be back for this new season. I've been gathering books and we've been doing some research on stuff that we might eventually have to do research on. It's really, really exciting. I love this. I'm just nerding the fuck out on this. I love it. Oh my God. It It feels like I'm going to my first semester of college. (laughs) Yes, I have sent you- Books on books. A lot of books. And actually today I just got, I got a book for you and it came here. And it's an, it is a cloud book, and for some reason it shipped to my place, so I got to mail you another book. Oh, good. Yeah, but on, on the personal end, I've been developing and scanning and just been sharing a bunch of new stuff on, on social media and been really having a good time with that. I'm kind of recovering from the trip still, but that, that happens. Yeah, of course. Uh, since I've been back, I've produced a zine. Actually, I've, I've made two. Neither of them are out yet. There was some zine issues with printing from the printer. Be careful uh, of this, this Mixam place. They're the cheapest for a reason, but uh, they will do free reprints if you don't like what they did, and I did not. So are you sending it back? No, I've got <laughs> I got 100 zines that I don't know what to do with. It, oh, it may no. end up as... I don't know. I'm going to have to figure out a project for it or something. I don't know what to do with it. I've also had some Graflex issues. I've been noticing that almost all of my photos taken with the Graflex that I've shot handheld have this weird light leak in it. Mm. I'm still chasing it down. And, you know, we're going to chalk it up to a slight weapons malfunction, but everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine (laughs) here now. Thank you. How are you? (laughs) Honestly... It's been kind of an emotional roller coaster the past couple days. Oh, no. Honestly, the past couple weeks. Jesus. Great things have been happening. Marley is in band camp, which is hilarious. She's um, doing percussion. She's on okay. bass too, if anybody was wondering. I am so excited for her. And she's has this like light in her eyes. She's literally doing 12-hour days. I yeah. drop her off at 9 a.m. and I pick her up at 9 p.m. It's insane. I don't understand how band yeah. camp isn't child abuse. <laughs> yeah. The other day she was like, I puked today. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what do you mean you puked today? That's yeah, awful. That's pretty so. normal for band camp. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Slight child abuse, but she's loving it every moment of it. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> I guess so. So, I mean, good positive things are happening, but also, you know, there's other things too, like, People in my family have been getting sick from COVID, and that's been 
really emotional and just the fight over the vaccination situation has been weighing down on me, especially today. Uh, you know, there's fires, there's drought, there's political, like just the climate in general, Afghanistan, there's so many fucking things happening right now. And I know that I'm not alone when I'm just like, oh my God, can we just get like a little bit of a break? <laughs> no, no, Please. we cannot. <laughs> Please. It's no. sad. It's like, there's so many things that I just, you know, we don't have like, I don't have any power over the things that are happening. It's just happening around me. And, um, you know, I, I usually go to photography or go to developing to, to kind of, you know, get a sense of myself or at least have some kind of control on, on my life. And I just feel right now that I don't really have as much control as I would like, and I have to be okay with that. Yeah, that's a tough one. My my very right-wing parents got sick with COVID. They were only sick for a month, they said. It's not a big deal. It's like the <laughs> flu, the flu that you have for a fucking month. They refused <laughs> to get the vaccine, of course, because that's they're cultists now. Mm -hmm. And it's all weird and sad. It's really messed up. So, hey, folks, get the fuck vaccinated if you haven't already. But we're <laughs> sure that pretty much all of our listeners are smart enough to figure this out. <laughs> Well, it's been a long, lonely summer. Very long. We're going to have a lot of messages. Oh, do you think so? I think so. Okay. Well, we have six. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's check the answering machine. But first, Vanya, refresh our aged and decrepit memories. What was the question? What did you do on your summer vacation, film photographically speaking? <laughs> Can I push the button? <laughs> please, please push the hell out of the button. Thank you. Sitch, and maybe we'll get back to you at some point. Eric, Vanya, how the hell are you? It's good to have you back. Anyway, this summer has been all about getting out of my major rut that I was in. I haven't touched a camera since last winter, spring. But now this summer, I've been getting out, doing things, shooting, improving my skills. That's what I've really been working on, making myself a better photographer in general. I've been shooting a lot of black and white and uh, <clears throat> digital. Hang my head in shame. But, uh, yeah, no, I've been out there doing stuff and... Uh, I need to get some color chemistry so I can shoot some color film again. Luckily, I know a guy. Anyway, that's about it. Catch you later. Okay, I know we're a film photography podcast, but I would never shame anybody for shooting digital. Oh, God, Anything no. that makes, brings joy or gets you into the things that you love to do, I 100% am okay. Like, just if it gets you out to shoot, then yeah, shoot it. Yeah, if you like it and it's not hurting anybody, do it. And contrary to what a lot of film photographers believe, digital does not hurt anybody. We promise. It's, it's true. It just doesn't. <laughs> well, he is shooting some color. That's awesome. And he's developing it in the ECN2 kits. And Love. yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug the ECN2 kits because the zines I'm working on can't be printed right now. So <laughs> let's sell something else. I have ECN2 kits. <laughs> there are links in the show notes. There we go. It's the end of my salesmanship. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff, for calling in.
Hi, Ralph Brandy. There is no cat on all the socials. You add, when you asked what we were going to do this summer, I said I was going to shoot tin types. And what I did this summer was I shot tin types at home. I shot tin types on July 4th and July 30th, which was my birthday, so it seems like it has to be a special day for me to do it. Uh, but I shot, shot five at home, and at least one of them didn't have any technical issues. The other thing I did was I started self-perforating, unperforated 35mm film and loading it in cartridges for my old Kodak Instamatic cameras. My first camera was an Instamatic many, many years ago, and I still have it, and I like to use it. And so now I'm able to shoot 126 with a uh, perforator machine. And that was my summer. That's amazing. <laughs> It really is. Tin types can be so difficult, and getting getting one out of five that have no mistakes on it is pretty amazing. So congratulations. I'm glad that you made a goal and you achieved it. Yeah, I would like to know a little bit more about how you're self-perfing 35 millimeter. Because, yeah. I mean, I thought, well, maybe you just had like an old perforating machine. But if you're doing it for 126, that's a totally different perforation, I think. I'm pretty sure about that. Maybe you've shared it on Instagram or whatever. I need to dig a little deeper, but that's interesting. I like it. Hi, this is Eric Vanderk. I'm Eric Vanderk on Instagram. And for about a year now, I've been storing up 24 and 12 exposure rolls of uh, Ferrania Solaris 400. And my goal for this summer and what I've been doing is shooting as much of this uh, Ferrania Solaris 400 as I can. And my plan is at the end of the summer to develop it myself at home using a C41 kit, which would be my first time doing that. So I'm pretty excited about shooting as much of the Solaris 400 as I can and developing it myself. Have you shot that before? I have shot a lot of Frania mm. Solaris. I looked today at my Flickr account where a lot of my photos live. And yeah, I, I shot, I don't know, 80 some photos oh, with wow. it. Yeah, I shot a lot of it. I like it. I've, I've only ever developed it in C41, so I haven't shot it in, in several years. But I know that I've developed other Ferrania in ECN2, and Eric, I would suggest maybe giving the ECN2 stuff a shot for this. With, with, <laughs> wow, pitching again. I am pitching again, because I think it would... <laughs> the Ferrania Solaris is, is a little saturated to begin with, but the ECN2, I think, would really, really bring out the saturation, would really kind of amplify the effects that you're getting anyway with Solaris. It's good film, it's a really fun film, and I think it deserves a really fun developer. So try ECN2. It's on sale now today. <laughs> Links in the show notes. Hello. So I did go to Saskatoon for a vacation, even though people ask me, why am I going to the prairies for a vacation? Well, why the hell not? And I came back with so many good pictures and great memories. And I'm so excited for the zine. So if you guys remember, yes, accountability. It will happen. It's just at this point, I have over a thousand images I need to scan. And I don't even know where to start with like curating and layouting stuff for printing so we'll see how that goes but it's very exciting um this summer i just really enjoyed shooting people and and it's a stark difference from like the buildings or the houses that i used to take photos of and yeah i, I had so much fun doing it and 
excited to see where it goes. That's so exciting. I know as soon as she said prairie, you were on board. Oh, absolutely on board. Yeah. Why would you <laughs> vacation in the prairie? It's like, well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, I'm very excited for this scene. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm interested. Are you, are you, did you? I'm wondering if she shot the people in the prairie or it was it like two separate things that people and prairie, people and prairie or people and prairie. Mm, there we go. Or prairie people. Prairie people. So, hello everyone, my name is Or Sachs and I'm from Israel. And my summer vacation has two parts. The first fun part was me driving around on a few trips around rivers and lakes and taking photos of strangers with my Mamiya RB67 and my Intrepid, that was great. And the second not so much fun part was my wife getting COVID for the second time. So that was a bummer, but she's okay now. Thank you very much, cheers. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, man, dude, I'm, <laughs> we are sorry to hear that. That's really awful. I'm glad she's okay. And glad you're able to have done other things this summer as well. Kind of doing the, the same thing. I guess it's kind of your season. That's crazy. What I did on my summer vacation by Ben Forgotten by Time. What I did this year on my summer vacation was I shot a bunch more drive-in movie theaters in Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Washington, and next week I actually are going to shoot some more in Maine, Vermont, and upstate New York. Uh, I was able to shoot about nine of them, uh, movie drive-in movie theater screens this summer, and hopefully get another four coming up. Um, who did I go with? I drug my wife and kids along with me so they could sit and watch me photograph these uh, empty drive-in theaters during the day. Uh, why did I do it? Because it's fun. And because I thoroughly enjoy everything about drive-in theaters and American classics. Hope that answers your question. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> Have you shot a drive-in theater before? No, I mean, I've been to... I, we just had this conversation. I was talking about Reds in Crescent City. Okay. They had really good nachos, and they had the old, like, speakers that you, like, put inside your car. Oh, cool. But no, I haven't. But it's a fantastic idea. I really want to see his work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering, because they're all, they're all basically laid out the same way. You know, screen, mm -hmm. parking lot, concession stand, projecting booth, and all of that. Mm -hmm. How do you go about making them seem different? It's like, I mean, I guess it's kind of shooting anything. I'm just not very familiar with, with drive-in theaters. I've but shot are a few. They, I mean, maybe they are different compared because he's definitely doing like West Coast, kind of East Coast. Yeah. So there could be a stark difference. Could be. And maybe yeah. you'll see that in the pictures. I would really like to see that. That'd be kind of cool. I know. I do too. So you're yeah. going to have to, Ben, you're going to have to share those pictures with us. We'd love to see them. Hey, Eric and Vanya. Here's Omar. Um... I have been shooting some Arista ADU 400. Uh, I've been developing in D23 um, just because it's cheap to do so. And I've uh, been shooting my kids uh, also a couple of hikes. So that's what I've been doing this summer. Uh, how about you guys? I think I know what you've been doing. What do you think Omar knows? I don't know. It's a little... A little ominous there. <laughs> I know what you've been up to. Does he know? Do you think he knows? About the body that we buried <laughs> oh, in the desert? <laughs> 
no, not that. <laughs> I honestly, it sounds like a fantastic summer. You got the Arista 400, cheap film, cheap developer, hanging out with the kids, doing hikes. I mean, it, simple perf- perfection. You don't need anything like over the top, you know? Right. D23 is super easy. It's two ingredients plus mm-hmm. water. We've made it before. We did it for a dev party at some point. Arista is a beautiful emulsion, and getting outside in nature is kind of the best thing for mental health. So I think Omar's kind of got it all figured out. I think he does. <laughs> oh, well, what have we been up to? He asked us, what have we been up to? Well, we're not going to really go into that. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Suck it, listeners. <laughs> We're not. We're, we're going to try something new. I think we're going to just let you guys answer the question. And then on Dev Party, we'll kind of go a little bit more into our answers. We'll tell you a little bit what we're doing, but not the whole story. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. It gives us something to talk about during Dev Party. Yeah. Yeah. Because, after, I mean, we talk obviously about like the developer we're using and stuff, but sometimes it gets a little like, all right. All so. Right. Get some more flavor in there, you know, add some spice. We love flavor and spice. <laughs> Let spice flow. I miss this. It's been so long. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, we did vacation together. So we did. technically, I didn't get a break from you. <laughs> you did not. And I apologize profusely for that. Sort of. I really missed all you guys. I'm so happy to be back and really excited for this season. Hopefully, everything will kind of just fall into place and I'll remember how to read. Well, we hope so. <laughs> but before we get to you reading, I'm going to read what the question for next episode is. Ooh. Ooh. It is, tell us about a near-perfect day or spot, a location, where everywhere you turned there was a photo. Maybe it took you off guard and it really made you smile and then filled you with such wonderful photographic joy. Tell us about that day, that spot, that situation, whatever. We want to hear about that. We do, because guess what? We're photographers as well, and we understand that. And most of the people in your life don't want to hear that story, but we do. We do. We really do. And now for something completely tiffin. What's the haps, film gang? We usually shy away from focusing heavily on gear or doing camera reviews here on Author Lens, but your old pal Tiffin is all about being different. This summer, my pocket companion has been the Olympus Mewtwo 80 VF, or 80 Zoom, depending on the year yours was manufactured. A couple of specaronis, it's a 35mm point-and-shoot camera with a clamshell design, waterproof, boasts a hefty 38 to 80 millimeter f 4.5 lens that can stop down to f8, has a panoramic mask which I absolutely adore, and autofocusing capabilities that are somewhat comparable to that one camera from the contacts line. The ADVF is notorious for having these quirky little light leaks that are a result of having degraded water seals. Personally, I like the light leaks. I feel like they make certain images unique, mainly because you only get them on like 60% of the roll. Prior to coming into possession of this camera, I really wasn't very fond of point and shoots because I never got decent results. My images would usually come out all soft or out of focus or the flash would blow out the entire scene. But I don't know, the ADVF has yet to disappoint. 
Coming from exclusively using manual cameras such as the Canon P, the Mamiya RB645, and the Hassi, which all require you to meter and nail down your focus, documenting my everyday shenanigans with this little fella has been liberating. I don't really have to think about much aside from framing my scene. The entire experience has made me enjoy photographing a lot more than before. Although at the end of the day, I am relying on the camera to do all the things, I feel like I can trust myself a bit more when it comes to capturing the image I want. I know it sounds like a mega contradiction, but I know that if I frame up my image and actuate the shutter, I'll get the shot without second guessing as to whether my settings were adequate enough to properly expose the frame. Moreover, this summer I made it a point to be a bit more active. As you may have heard, I'm at a point in my life where my career is front and center, which is great. But I noticed early on that after sitting 8 hours at a desk at work, I would come home and sit for another 3-5 to five hours at my home desk while I studied for my project manager certification. And that would be my day, Monday through Friday. I really didn't like this routine I was getting into because 1. It's definitely not healthy for the body or mind, and 2. Because I wasn't spending time outdoors, which I love. So I started a hike on the weekends and hit the beach at least 4 days out of the work week before heading home with the ADVF in tow. And I think it's so cool how I can literally toss this in my day pack without it weighing me down. I've dropped it in the sand, chucked it across a bonfire, I'm not even joking, and drenched the crap out of it with hand sweat as I was going up a massive incline at the Chino Hills State Park. And it's still trucking along. It's been really nice to have a capable and pocketable camera that I don't have to baby. Yeah, I have my Olympus XA, but I don't know. I wouldn't check that thing across a bonfire, you feel me? Anyways. I believe in giving credit where credit is due, and I would like to give my boy Louie a mega shout out because he actually gifted me the ADVF. He had his reasons for not using it as much, and he didn't want it to be a shelf queen, so he offered it to me. I swear, every time I get a rollback from the lab, I ask him if he's sure he doesn't want it back. Thankfully, he has yet to say yes. His Instagram is at Demo. Anyways, that's all for me. Stay tuned for the next one where I review the X-Pan. I'm only kidding. Later. Since the dawn of humankind, photographers longed for a way to take photos from the air. Unfortunately, they'd have to wait for both aircraft and cameras to be invented. The most early and most convenient aircraft was the hot air balloon, dating from sometime in the 1700s. What's odd is that photography coexisted with the hot air balloon for three whole decades before someone got the idea to take their first aerial photo from one in 1858. With that accomplished, photographers looked around and wondered, what else can I stick a camera on? As it turned out, kites. Kites both existed and flew. In 1882, someone stuck a camera on one and using a small explosive charge, they flicked the shutter and took a bunch of pictures from the air. And somehow this did not destroy the kite. There were also aeroplanes, which were easy. All the photographer had to do was sit down, strap in and shoot. Another flying thing was rockets. Rockets had existed since 12th century China. And across the ages, the basics were unchanged. A cylinder packed with igniter propellant is sent skyward. All that was needed now was a camera. This happened in, well, that's not entirely clear. This is one of those inventions that happened occasionally, and everyone seemed to be caught off guard by it every single time. The earliest reference we could find in our hasty research is a newspaper article from July 1893. 
An interesting English invention consists of a camera combined with a parachute, especially designed for obtaining photographs of fortifications and the camps of the enemy, although pictures may also be made for general surveying purposes. The rocket with a payload of a camera wrapped in a parachute and asbestos would be launched as normal, and then it would burst open, exploded basically, by a time fuse. This would cause the payload to be ejected and the parachute to unfurl. The camera is fitted with an instantaneous shutter operated by clockwork, so as to give several exposures at intervals. At the back of the box is an arrangement by which the plates can be manipulated by clockwork. To give the photographer still on the ground some control, a string had been attached to the camera and allowed to stick out of the rocket. After the camera was ejected and floating down by parachute, the photographer could grab the string and somewhat control the descent, and even move the camera to get specific-ish shots. A decade or so later, with the invention of World War I, even more newspapers were surprised by the latest German war stunt. Another camera attached to a rocket. Everyone apparently forgot about the British guys. A slight charge of powder sends it soaring aloft for a moment's searching survey. A puff, a cloud, and column of smoke, and the apparatus rises in silence with its Zeiss lens ready for action. The word is done. The enemy's land mapped out as by an eagle's eye. The rocket camera comes fluttering to earth on a parachute, which opens of its own accord and lets the precious record descend in safety to expectant hands. I think they were assuming that their readers had no idea how a parachute worked. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, flowery language. It, It all worked out. The article concludes by touting this newish invention. The rocket camera has the advantage over the pigeon camera and aeroplane reconnaissance that it is absolutely safe from hostile fire. This particular rocket camera was invented by... So you're just going to let the words pigeon camera just flutter on by and and not really accept anything? I mean, it's a a fucking pigeon camera. (laughs) because we are definitely going to talk about pigeon cameras this season 100%. Don't worry. But we're not ready for that. So we're going to continue with the rockets. But do yourself a favor and Google. (laughs) Just a photo of a pigeon camera. It's adorable. It's it's probably horrible, but it is is, is adorable horribleness. Go on. Okay, onward here. This particular rocket camera was invented by Alfred Moll. No relation to Darth. His method of firing the shutter was sort of genius. Maul wanted to fire the shutter when the rocket reached its apex, so he created an electromagnetic contact attached to a spring that would actuate the shutter when the forward motion of the rocket stopped, essentially when the G-forces ceased. This actuator also seemed to eject the parachute. The camera could take one shot per flight, exposing a 12 by 12 centimeter plate. The rocket itself stood over four meters tall and weighed in at 800 pounds. It could reach an altitude of 1600 feet in about eight seconds. Following World War I in 1921, some scientists wanted to send a rocket camera to Mars to search for life, but they didn't seem to have figured out how to get the camera back, so it's uncertain just how this would have been helpful. Yeah, it it didn't make any sense at all. So not long after that, though, understanding that realistic expectations were more, well, realistic, they decided they could just launch a rocket to the edge of space and take a picture. But with World War II looming, all of that was set aside. In fact, rocket cameras hardly played any role at all in World War II. There were simply other, better ways of obtaining aerial photos, and lots of Nazis to kill. It was then, in the years following the war, that rocket cameras became more of a curiosity than a military necessity. 
That said, it was the military that photographed large swaths of land using the German V-2 rockets as well as the Navy's Aerobee rockets. Either could shoot a photo every second and a half. They could take over 200 images during their 2,700-mile-long flights. Incidentally, it was one of the V-2 rockets that took the first film photograph from space in October of 1946. It soared to a height of 64 miles above the Earth's surface, technically just barely in space, but still higher than either Branson or Bezos. The cameras, now using film, were encased in aluminum and steel. The rockets had no parachutes, but crashed back to Earth with the cameras undamaged. It was reported that while black and white films survived the heat just fine, the color film resulted in weird shifts. And this was basically it for rocket photography. As the cameras got better and the rockets were improved, things sort of evolved. In 1958, Estes Industries was founded by Vernon Estes. His company sold DIY rocket kits with everything you'd need to build your own model rocket. These were, of course, relatively small, most only about a foot or two in height. Over the next few years, he designed rockets with boosters and rockets that could carry small payloads. And then, in 1966, Vern Estes designed and released the Camrock. His own take on the rocket camera. So his was different from the early British and German rockets from World War I. The Camrock's nose cone was the camera. So for $4, you get a plastic nose with a lens on top and a shutter inside. It was carried by a cardboard rocket, like just like a cardboard tube, that you'd have to buy separately and put it all together. The film you'd use for the Camrock was a disc of sheet film one and a half inches in diameter that you'd have to order from Estes himself. It was Kodak Tri-X film cut into circles. They called it Astropan 400. So look at that, you guys. Already rebranded film in the 60s. <laughs> the bottom half of the nose cone was the film holder. It was unscrewed inside a darkroom or changing bag. The film disc was placed inside and the holder was screwed back together with the dark slide blocking the light from hitting the film. The top of the nose cone was where the lens and shutter were situated. Before launch, you'd remove the dark slide. And then, after the rocket was fired and reached its ultimate height and began to plummet nose first back to Earth, the engine fired a charge ejecting the nose and parachute. Then, a string connecting the nose to the rocket body pulled the shutter open and exposed the film. The shutter was closed almost immediately by a rubber band. Once the rocket floated safely back to the ground, the film could be unloaded, placed into a lightproof envelope, and sent back to Estes for development. Brave rocketeers could develop their own film if they so choose. Estes would sell you six discs of film for 75 cents. They'd develop them and make three-inch circular prints for you for $2. The Camrock was listed in Estes catalogs until 1975. By that time, it was $8.95 for the nose, or $9.95 for the entire rocket. And then, after four long, stupid years without a rocket camera, Estes released the Astrocam 110 in 1979, debuting in the catalog next to the Star Wars X-Wing fighter flying model rocketry outfit. And I, you have no idea how much I wanted this thing when I was I a kid. I wonder if anybody, any of our listeners got, got that rocket, because rockets were kind of a big deal, right? They were a huge deal. Yeah, <laughs> they were a huge deal in the, in the 80s. I, I, I really wanted that. I wanted the Astrocam, too, but we'll get to that. <laughs> the Astrocam was sold complete with camera nose and rocket body, and it somehow managed to shove 110 film into the nose. This allowed the Rocketeer to make 24 launches before having to change out the film. Of course, this also meant that the Rocketeer had to make 24 launches before they could see photos they took. 
the camera on this nose cone was a completely different beast. Once the film was loaded and ready, the shutter was cocked by pulling a tab and gently sliding the plastic nose cone onto the body. The body would then hold the shutter in the cocked position as it took flight. Then as before, once the rocket reached its apex and began its downward journey, the engine would backfire and eject the nose. Just as the nose left the body, the shutter would be triggered and the photo would be taken. Immediately after, the parachute would deploy and the whole rocket, camera and body, would descend gently back to Earth. Estes sold the Astro Cam 110 on and off until 2009. Along the way, they released digital versions, both still and video, which are still available today. By the end of its life in 2009, they only sold the Astrocam as kits that included a few engines, a launch pad, an electronic launcher. And before leaving on our summer trip, we bought two. We did. <laughs> <laughs> we, bought, we bought two Astrocam 110s, one for you. Yes. And one for me. <laughs> and so we ventured into Oregon's Alvor Desert and spent the day shooting off rocket cameras, the Astrocam 110. And to hear how all of that turned out, you'll have to stay tuned for the next episode of Dev Party when we tell you all about it while developing the 110 film that we shot from the Estes Astrocam. Three, one. Three is fine. And then one, we push the button or after one? After one. Okay. In our show notes, there are a couple of links that link to different pictures and different things with the Astrocam and the Camrock. But I really need to thank Mark O'Brien for a ton of information. See, Mark O'Brien, he does the zine Monochrome Mania, and we'll be reviewing his new issue later on in the show. But Mark has been doing zines for a long time. In the, in the 80s and the 90s, he had a model rocketry zine. I think he probably called it a newsletter then, but it was a zine. That's and so awesome. he sent me two copies, two PDF copies of it. And I got some information about the Astrocams. And wow, Mark, thank you. It was, I, one of my favorite things in the world is when people just geek out on something they love. That mm -hmm. pure joy from geeking out, even if it's something I'm not particularly interested in, it, that joy is transferred immediately to me. <laughs> and I love it. We need more of that. Yes, I agree. For our very first episode, we thought we would have the whole gang here. <laughs> the whole gang. Yes, exactly. It's just kind of want to check in with Tiffin and see how her summer's been as well. So let's give her a call. So what's poppin' playin'? <laughs> Hello. What's up, dudes? Just having a long day of recording. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you guys? Doing well. Yeah, I think so. It was, I was a little nervous just because we took so much time off. I was like, I don't know if I can read anymore. I don't know if this is going to work out. <laughs> no way. How about you? How, how have you been? Pretty good. Been pretty busy, like, because of work. Excited to be here, for sure. <laughs> nice. Okay. okay, so for most of our listeners, they don't know what you have been up to. So kind of tell us, tell everybody what you've been up to. Yeah, so um, 
four of my friends and I, we were going to basically drive up north to the Redwoods. So I'm a tree person. I don't know. I, this has definitely been established. And if not, I'm reminding the listeners, I love trees. So like I wanted to go see the Redwoods. And then along the way, like we were just going to stop, visit little towns along the way. I wanted to hit uh, Dos Palos. It's next to Los Baños around Merced. Okay. Vanya knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. I do. Uh, my mom grew up there. So like oh, I wanted cool. to go and like spend, we, we had planned to spend like a week there. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, we were just going to hit up as many towns as we could and then eventually make our way to to the national park or forest. But we were going to start off in Julian. So it really doesn't make sense. Like when you think about it, we were going to start down in San Diego and then we were going to circle back up. Oh, wow. um, so the trip was going to start in July and the week of the 4th of July, which was the first week in July, I got promoted. So, <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> And I don't know, like, I guess they kind of liked what I do or like my performance. And then they uh, promoted me to like their account manager, uh, which is more like heavily involved. And I need to be like more present. (laughs) So, yeah. So like the CFO told me like that week and he's like, I know you had plans, but like we kind of like need you here. (laughs) So so like that was so that was the thing. He's like, go ahead, enjoy yourself like the 4th of July weekend, you know, go off, have fun in Julian. And then we'll see you back on Monday. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, so wow. along the way, we were going up, we were going to Julian. And then I, I kind of had to like break the news to my friends. I was like, you know, I won't be able to like come along with you guys this summer. Um, so let's just make the most of this trip. You know, they were pretty bummed. And like, obviously, like we were going to take my Supra because I have like this like old Supra. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was how <laughs> we were going to like travel. So we had to like figure out a way to like get them there. But what ended up happening was I ended up just following them during the weekend. Like I would just go and like catch up with them. Uh, The furthest I went, yeah. So like the furthest that I went was Morro Bay. Like I love Morro Bay. Like I will literally retire there. I don't know what I have to do, but I will make it happen. (laughs) Um, So I just chased them around. And then uh, I would leave like super late here, like on Friday Uh, And then I would either make it like really late into the evening or like early, early morning on Saturday and then just like spend the day with them and then drive back down like early Sunday. So that's how I ended up spending my summer. Um, Obviously took pictures, but that wasn't their main concern. I was just like the one that was always taking pictures. (laughs) Um, And then eventually when they got farther up north and I couldn't like follow along with them. I just tried to make the most of of my time here because like they are like my closest friends, you know, and like I have like other friends. But, you know, when you have like that one group of people that you just like thoroughly enjoy spending your time with. So like what I ended up doing, it's kind of weird, but like you guys know poke bowls. Yes. Okay. So it comes in a bowl and like I was I promise this is going somewhere. (laughs) So like I was shaking like my poke bowl and I kind of got winded. I'm going to be real with you. So I was like, oh, man, like I'm probably like out of shape. So like what I ended up doing, I just started to hike and just like go to the beach and like just, you know, try to get fit that way. Yeah. Obviously taking pictures along the way. Like that ended up being my summer or still, I guess, still kind of is. It's still still sort of Um, summer. Yeah. uh, But I mean, it's all good things. Like at the end of the day, uh, the way I justified it or like the the way I coped with it was like more food for the hassy, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You shot the Hasselblad and the RB67, both manual cameras, and you've mm-hmm. done some really amazing work with it, including 645 in the RB67, which is madness, but you make it work. 
And so lately you've been shooting the Mewtwo? Yes, Which I literally thought was a Pokemon when people started talking about it. I, I mean, after shooting with like the RB and like, I have like the baby Graflex too, Vanya. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No so like after shooting with that, it's just not that I was like being cheap or anything, but like, <laughs> I didn't want to like use my medium format um, to just document like, you know, like normal stuff that I sure. have like 30 minutes away from me. Like, you know, during my time in Julian, there was a parade and I was shooting the parade with the Hasselblad. Mm-hmm. And I missed a couple shots because, again, like, you know, the whole thing and then, like, loading film. So that kind of got me thinking. I was like, man, like, if I had something that was, like, just really quick, I would have captured, like, those little moments. You know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. So when you met up with them, so what did you shoot then? You're the documenter, documentarian, documentress. Documentary. Oh, I documentary. like that one. That's, yeah. That's- <laughs> now that, like, I think about it, it was more just, like, documenting, like, our time spent together. Like, I've recently really gotten into doing that. Um, I don't know why. I guess. I don't know. So, it was just, like, those little things. Like, they were in the kitchen. So, like, oh, let me roll up with, like, the Hassie, you know, and just, like, take, like, what I would think, like, it's a meaningless picture, but, like, you know, I kind of cherish it. So just little things like that and, like. I guess my, my oh, God, I don't want to say problem with California because I did a little bit of California <sighs> this past summer with you. And it's just so busy. It is. <laughs> I took him to Lone Pine in California. Nice. Um, and that's my first where time there. been taking those those T-Max pictures. Uh, so he was there that day, too. So hopefully he gets some pictures yeah, I don't think I developed anything. Well, no, I developed something from there. Oh, the Graflex with the light oh, leaks. Yeah. I'm grumpy about <laughs> photography. <laughs> with the longer trip that you were planning to do, were you planning like a project with that? I was actually planning on like printing the images and like actually doing like a legit physical like photo album. Oh, wow. Just for like, uh, or like, actually, I was going to make it into like a scrapbook. Mm-hmm. But obviously that did not happen. Did not. <laughs> but yeah, just so like we can just have it like as a keepsake and just, you know, pass it around. Yeah, that 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 was my initial plan. But okay. uh, do, do you have any plans for like more of a mass produced scene? Me? A mass yeah, produced scene? <laughs> um, no. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I did have I did have that that whole uh with like the donut shops that the last time you guys had me on, yes, I talked That's about right. that. Yes. Yes. But like no. I haven't got, <laughs> and I mean, well, things kind of started to like open up too. Yeah, thankfully, but now we're kind of like in a weird place again. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that's okay. <laughs> I like how she says no. It's just perfect. <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> Tiffin. Do you? Uh, so you get your stuff developed. You go. You have your trusty lab that you. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to the trusty lab. What? What? A, Romex. What do you, that's awesome uh do you do you get prints do you just get developed only like does it do they have any deals it's develop only for 650 nice that's that's actually really really good yeah that is so so you get negatives only and then you go home and you scan them yourself that's correct yeah I used to develop, but um, I kind of got scared. So I feel like I'm a hypochondriac. So like I just started to get scared of like the chemicals and stuff. But mm-hmm. I used to develop. I used to thoroughly enjoy it. So like I know what you're talking about, Eric. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So now I just send everything off to my lab and I just get 
the negatives develop only and then I don't want anyone to scan my film. I mean, I could. I have that option. I think like scanning it's- is like 11 bucks like the, for the whole thing. I yeah. get it. Yeah. And pain, they're, yes. they're not like terrible quality. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I have more control over that. You know, I can manipulate the way uh, it looks and stuff. And I also mm-hmm. use a Negative Lab Pro. Uh, what is that? Oh, it's the, the scanning software. It's like a plugin for, for Lightroom. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I like, yeah, that thing makes it like really, really fun to scan. Like I used to hate scanning and like I thought everything looked like hot garbage, but like especially <laughs> especially with um with Ektar. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. So so like we we all so I like Ektar. I know like now everybody is like being a simp for Ektar. I don't know why, but back in the day they used to hate it. Yeah, why everybody was hating on it. Yeah, they and were. like I don't know if, if y'all have looked at like film prices recently, but um Ektar is a pro pack of Ektar is like more expensive than a pro pack of Portra 160. Really? So like, you know, that there's hype surrounding that. Yeah. Um, Which is good. You know, it's all good for the, for the, for the film community, but Mm -hmm. I could never get Ektar to look like really, really good in Epson. And if I did like, I'm going to be honest, like I had to like adjust a bunch of stuff um, in Lightroom to get it to look the way that I want it to. But when I started to use uh, negative lab pro, Yo, I was set. <laughs> so if if it can make Ektar look not so like saturated, even though like that's why you would shoot Ektar, but if I can literally get whatever result I want to get out of out of Ektar via Negative Lab Pro, like you know it's good. Like yeah, I endorse it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about the movie Back to the Future, which is not necessarily seen as a camera or photography movie, but photography features prominently into sort of a subplot. Uh, as you know, you know the everybody knows the basic plot line of Back to the Future. If you don't, I don't know what to do for you. So in the movie, Marty, Michael J. Fox's character, has a picture of his brother and his brother and sister and him. And he shows it to Doc after going back into the past, into 1955. And when Doc looks at the photo, he says, this is a poor photo manipulation because the top of your brother's head is chopped off. And so he looked at it again and like, ah, I know why. Because Marty is changing the past. And when you change the past, it affects the future, which fine, makes some sense. Vanya is shaking her head. Makes some sense as far as, as, far as uh, time travel is concerned. So... Taking it on the surface, it makes sense. The picture would change as the past has changed. And the whole point was of the movie was that Marty needs to get his parents together so that he exists in the future and his brother and sister exist. Yeah. So the more but they his weren't- his mom had the hots for him. Yes, she did. Yes, that's, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so that always, something never sat right with me about that. If he wasn't born, if the parents never got together, and it looked like for the most of the movie, the parents weren't going to get together. As the, as the movie went on, and it looked like they were drifting farther apart, the brother started disappearing. His head disappeared, then his body disappeared. And oh my his God, leg, I loved it when it was just his legs. Just his legs. Like, really, dude? And then his sister started to disappear. And I'm wondering, like, okay, fine. What's happening to the negative? Where's that? Like, the negative is somewhere in the future, in 1985, the present, I guess, as far as the movie is concerned, is that disappearing too? Yeah, it won't exist. Like the whole picture should have disappeared technically, right? But it right? didn't. It didn't. 
It was just it was, the people. It was in the just picture. the people in the picture, which makes you think. Okay, they took a picture. They took like, a picture, and like, well, at, yeah, because the, as the brother and sister started to fade out, because they were the first, you know, the brother was the firstborn, the sister was the second, and Marty was the last. I don't know if photo if photography works that way, or how you take pictures. Like, as it, it would mean that that the the firstborn wasn't born, but Marty was, and it it really kind of blew my mind. Right? <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Tiffin, I think he's trying to make sense of this for some reason. <laughs> for sure. Because no. <laughs> No, because it's a perfect movie. Back to the Future is a perfect movie. 100% perfect movie. There's nothing wrong with it. Everything Except this. Well, this, <laughs> no, no. Because this makes movie logic. Okay. This makes sense within the movie. Because the time travel, they don't really, they yada yada over the time travel. They don't, that's never really explained. So if I was in that writing room or whatever, helping with the script, I would say, well, wouldn't he be disappearing first? And then it would slowly go back? Because he... I don't know. Well, I don't know if the, I you think the I mean? firstborn yes. would disappear yes. first, but, but that would imply that the parents eventually got together. But then if the firstborn, the brother didn't exist, wouldn't the sister be the brother and then Marty be the sister or how would that work? I think that if it's slowly erasing the future, I think it would start with the most recent kid and it would move back. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it would. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, okay. I love physical media like Blu-rays and DVDs and laser discs and all of that stuff because they have director's commentaries on it. Mm -hmm. And so I listened and watched the director's commentary, which I guess was the producer's, was Bob Gale, the producer's commentary from the Back to the Future Blu-ray. And I want to play a little bit of what he had to say about the photo if that's okay. It's about 40 seconds. Okay, let's do it. First thing for crying out loud, I haven't even been born yet. And look at this picture. It's my brother, my sister, and me. Look at her sweatshirt, Doc. Class of 1984. Pretty mediocre photographic fakery. They cut off your mother's hair. Now this uh, disappearing photo gag is a wonderful example of uh, what Bob and I refer to as movie logic versus real logic. There's no real sense as to why the characters would disappear from this photograph one by one. Why don't they all disappear at the same time? But it's one of those things where you see it and you believe it. Uh, why doesn't the photograph itself start to disappear? But it doesn't. I guess it just doesn't make sense. And that's But in the okay. movie it did at the time. Like it did can. you ever second did you ever think of that until Eric said this or like told told you about this? No. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it either. But it, the 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 photo and Marty disappearing at the end, he kind of disappears himself at the end. That is a countdown clock. You know, it's it's the we don't we, there is sort of a countdown clock with literally the clock waiting for the mm -hmm. lightning to strike. But the picture also acts as a sort of like tension builder. Yeah. Because if it would just start disappearing altogether, like, oh, suddenly the picture isn't here, that wouldn't make any movie logic. It's implying that the picture still exists. Like, yes. And framed the same way. So if the brother's gone, whoever took the picture would have framed the picture with the sister in the middle and Marty on the other end and nothing on the side where the brother is. And then when the sister disappears, Marty's standing next to a gazebo saying, oh, look, my fucking gazebo. And then when Marty <laughs> disappears, it's just a picture of a gazebo or whatever was behind it. It was a gazebo, wasn't it? 
I don't know. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe the reason why the image itself does not disappear and rather it's just the people. Uh, was it established who took the picture? No. I can't. So maybe because the person who took the picture, they're not being erased. Well, so because their timeline isn't being, you know, destroyed, that's well, why the picture exists. Then but because uh-huh. I, it, okay, it's implied, I guess, that one of the parents took it. It makes sense one of the parents took it or that, well, they had it taken. So if Mm -hmm. the parents don't get together at all, none of the kids would exist Mm -hmm. and the photo wouldn't exist because there's no reason to take a picture there. Well, maybe they decided that they were a photographer and they were going to, it was destiny to take that picture. They didn't realize. Okay. They uh, didn't realize. Another question. Why? When Marty was disappearing in real life, you could see through his hand. He was also disappearing on the photo because he had a photo on the guitar. Mm Mm-hmm. In the present, had the brother disappeared? Was he no more? And did the sister disappear? In the present, in 1985, when Marty was fucking with the past? Yes. I want to know that story. They did. Because they came back all more refined. (laughs) Also, another question. His name was Marty. They named him Marty because of whatever. But after meeting his parents in the past they decided still to name their third child Marty, which is a little odd. But wouldn't, well, first, wouldn't you name your first child Marty? Because he's the one who got you together. But if not, wouldn't you be a little suspicious, just a little, if you were George McFly, the father, that your third son is one named Marty, the name of the guy who was hooking up potentially with your wife back in the 50s, disappeared, didn't see him. And then all of a sudden you had a kid who, as time goes by, increasingly looks exactly like the guy your wife hooked up with, wouldn't you at one point ask, hey, have you seen that Marty guy from 1955 lately? Because our kid's looking a lot like him. (laughs) I don't know. I would ask that. I would absolutely just be a little curious. I'm so excited like for this season having you on like Heck, thank you so much again guys no thank you so much for for bringing a little bit of fit with film to all through a lens it's gonna be really really fun and we'll have some more talk on that i'm really excited about it but really thank you for showing up a time well spent for sure <laughs> well all right thank you Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tiffin. We'll see you around. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay. So for our feature, we want to talk a little bit about our trip. Kind of a summarized version of it. And I actually have a really good way to start this. Oh, do you? Yes. What what is this really good way? (laughs) Well, my trip was obviously a lot shorter than yours. You were gone for basically a month. Uh, Yes. What cameras did you decide to bring? You said you were going to pack light. I did pack light. Well, did he? He he did. Uh, He packed (laughs) the the main shooter was the Chamonix 4x5 something or something. I also shot 4x5 with the Graflex. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there were some problems, but <laughs> I did bring the Mamiya RB67, and I shot almost exclusively with that. I shot one roll through the Mamiya 645, which you eventually took home with you, mm-hmm. and that was it. So that's 
Four cameras. Four cameras really only used three. Okay, that's pretty good. That's light. I mean, yeah. none of the cameras are light. It's the <laughs> RB67. Well, how about you? Well, Velveeta 110. That is true. My most favorite camera to shoot with. That's weird. It was. It fit in my overall pocket. A very important thing for cameras, yes. Or in like, I have, you know, just like a little Patagonia waste pack thing and it fit in there too. So it was amazing. Wow. I brought a Holga with me, mm-hmm. my RB67, mm-hmm. my RB23, uh, my RB4x5. That's the big box one with the chimney on it. Yes. What else? Oh, um, Pentax 645. Yeah, that's true. Maybe something larger. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the Century number seven um, with a reducing back on it for five by seven. Yes. It is a very large, <laughs> very large camera that you'd need help with moving it out of your van. You can kind of do it on your own, but you know. It's it's really big. Yeah, ridiculous. I did not say that I was going to pack light. Also, that's why I have my van. So That's true. Don't yeah. hate. No shame. I used to carry a lot of cameras and now I don't, but no shame on those who still do. So our basic overview, I think we kind of covered it in the last episode of the last season, mm-hmm. but we kind of stuck to the plan. There was a little bit of deviation here and there, but not much. We didn't go into uh, the main town in Idaho. Oh, a Boise. Yeah, we were supposed to go visit the photo booth that we we interviewed Bree, and her photo booth is out in downtown. We found it, and we were going to go and get our portrait taken, and we did not do that. We didn't. No, that, I, I I feel bad about that. I know. I want to go back. Honestly, I have a funny kind of feeling we'll be going back again next year. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, we did. So we did. You know, Oregon. We dipped down in the Nevada. We dipped up. Dipped up into. <laughs> that one, the Idaho one, and then Wyoming and Montana, and then Wyoming again, and then Montana again. It was a it was a very Western trip. It was. We talked a little bit about our expectations going into it, but you kind of, I guess, realized them a bit more along the way. Mm-hmm. What were your expectations going into it? Well, I really wanted to try out the 5x7 camera. Sure. Uh, that was, like, really something I wanted to kind of dive into. Also, just taking landscapes in general and kind of just trying to figure out what I really want to shoot outside the water. Um, I kind of feel like I have a little bit of an identity crisis on Instagram sometimes because my my water shots do good and people really like them. And then I will like get scared and put, you know, <laughs> one of my landscapes up and you know people are people have been very like nice and say that it's good i just don't know if if i'm like super happy with them all the time well you're literally a fish out of water i am and i and we'll definitely talk (laughs) we'll talk about that as well (laughs) sure though recently you've been posting some some shots from lone pine and they've been getting a lot of good reception because they are some of the best photos you've ever taken. Yes, it's yes. true. I don't know how I'm going to top that. And I don't know why it always has to be that for for me. Topping but it? But I get, yeah, like I get yeah. to a point and I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. It just somehow worked out. I don't know, development and everything. I don't. <sighs> so overall, it was dry. It was. 
It was very dry for me. And that's a problem. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Because you need the water. I do. It was uh, it was fire season and there were, it was an early fire season, but it was, it was fire season. Hazy, muggy skies. It interesting sunrises and sunsets because of that, mm-hmm. but really not. The skies were, for me anyway, almost always clear, like no clouds. And mm-hmm. shooting under those those conditions is rough. Landscapes are like 50% clouds. Mm-hmm. Like whether, you, whether someone's going to like a landscape you shot has a lot to do with the sky. And if the skies are empty, it's, it's, it's almost not worth taking the photo. Yeah, it can be kind of boring. I mean, unless you throw on like a red filter or something and, you know, do some fancy magic. But you find yourself taking more close-ups then and maybe paying a little bit more attention to things you wouldn't pay attention to because the sky is just fucking ugly. Well, it was. And you said clear. I am not necessarily sure that we were looking at the same sky because it was not clear. It was hazy. Yeah. Even if you wanted to take a picture of something, it seemed like it was just so like muggy, hazy, like you couldn't even get a crisp photo of anything. The first time we met up was at Steens Mountain in Oregon, one of the most Mm -hmm. beautiful places I've ever seen. It was your first time there. My initial reaction to it was like, all right, I'm going to get murdered. (laughs) Where the fuck is he taking me? I'm on this dirt road. I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) And it was the first dirt road of the season. And I don't know if you guys do this, but that first dirt road that you hit, and I don't have a four-wheel drive. I just have like a regular, you know, rear wheel, whatever. That first dirt road I hit, I'm always super gentle. And by the end of the trip, I'm just like, 40 miles per hour, (laughs) dust clouds behind me, like a crazy maniac. So I do remember like trying to be super gentle, like, okay, this is my first dirt road of the season. Here I go. So funny. (laughs) Okay. But Steens. Yeah. Amazing. Beautiful. We had great weather, very green up there. There was still some snow and the valleys. It's just like land before time. Oh. It was like that 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 hidden valley that they like wanted to go to. What was that called? Oh my god! I don't know. I've never <gasps> seen Land Before Time. What the? F- Why? <laughs> What's wrong with you? It just came out a little too late for me. Oh my gosh! Okay, well it it was absolutely gorgeous and just massive. You felt tiny, and that uh, is a cool feeling. <laughs> one of the great things about Steens is that things they. They're very large, but they don't look incredibly large until you're there, like right next to this gigantic precipice. And he's like, oh, no, I'm pretty small now. Yeah, I could die right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a fun, and we saw some wild horses. Yes, uh, and a deer. When you were shooting, I saw a deer. So I know, I missed the deer. Yeah, you were like huffing and puffing in the corner trying to figure out what to shoot. I had such a problem trying to figure out. There was like this beautiful area and it's like, there has to be a shot here. And I just couldn't find one. I moved the tripod a dozen times. I was there for maybe an hour just looking and looking and looking. And and I I eventually shot something because it just felt like a pain in the ass not to. Mm -hmm. But uh, really, it really freaked me out. That was also, we were up in elevation. How high is that? I think around 10. Okay. We went up like this small hill to see if we could find this uh, lake because it was like a lake that you could actually hike down and camp down there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were like, oh, let's go up and see like what the view looks like. And 
it was maybe like 25, 30 steps. And I seriously was so out of breath. I thought I was going to die. And he's like talking to me and I'm just like not saying anything at all because I was so embarrassed because I was like, okay, yeah, everything's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, you're up up in altitude and it's tough. It's really tough. I'm not used to it either. We're both almost zero. We're almost at sea level, both of us. Well, yes. And just this year has been so not active for me. It's been awful, honestly. (laughs) Maybe we can do it next time and I can fucking run up that hill. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Or actually, I really want to hike down to the lake and camp next time. I kind of do too. Yeah. Yeah. Really pretty place. And speaking of pretty places, we visited a shitty Idaho town. (laughs) Yeah, we did. A couple. but A couple, but there's one in particular that I don't, but go on. Okay, I think Idaho is kind of amazing, oh, it and is. I do kind of picture it differently. And then when I see it, I'm like, "Oh wow! Like this is okay. This is Idaho. It's it's gorgeous. There's a lot of beautiful lake, uh, beautiful lakes and rivers, streams and waterfalls. There's also a lot of dryness and kind of more deserty. So really pretty, big skies." Really cool to see the storms come in. The one thing I was a little bit iffy about, and this could just be because I am in a stupid sprinter and I have California license plates, so automatically I'm the asshole. I felt like people that live in Idaho have something to prove a little bit. And I'm sorry if you're from Idaho. I'm sure this is not you, but I feel like a lot of like the farm workers and the country people, like they really have to show that they're country because they're a little like too far towards the west coast and they don't want to be grouped into the to the weird like oh people from the west coast i don't know (laughs) is that a weird thing for me to say that's so rude no i think it's i think it's true i think they're very loud about their country feel yeah their country attitude i don't know i'm not i mean look as 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 time and time goes on i grew up in a very rural area i'm feeling less and less of a connection to it. Mm-hmm. I don't get the people anymore. I think there's been a fundamental change in some places. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those places where there's a fundamental change. I think so. And I can see them being like upset because a lot of people are moving in. You know, it's kind of a boom town as far as like their, you know, their capital and just people moving there a lot. And I can see how things are changing maybe too fast and people are getting frustrated. But the, it was kind of a state that I went to that I felt like I didn't really have a good connection or a friendly connection with any of the people. And that's kind of odd because I talk to everybody, (laughs) animals, birds, and people. And I just didn't really, the only person that was kind of cool was the lady at the grocery store. (laughs) The lady at the grocery store? Yeah, we found like an Albertsons. I haven't been in one in like years because they all closed down in California. And I was, she asked me if I had a club card and I was like, oh, like I do i think and i put in like my old phone number and it freaking worked (laughs) so it's so the only people who are nice to you are the ones who are being paid to be nice to you yeah basically (laughs) fair enough well i mean i don't know did i don't think anybody came up and talked to us i don't think there was anything like that no it was a very strange place this this town in particular we're not going to give you the name of the town because it's forgettable the town itself was one of those places where there's just a billion photos all over the place. Mm -hmm. And we both shot 
a couple of roles there. I think I shot some four by five there too. Mm-hmm. You had an old train depot, you had an old movie theater, a lot of old businesses, a lot of old buildings, but it was a town that was just a little too busy. And you had people, like we said, who needed to prove that they were just a little more country than everybody else. Well, also this was a holiday weekend too. So people were busy because it was a holiday weekend. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a holiday. It was July 4th weekend. Maybe it was July 4th. Was it July 4th? It may have. One of the two. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I think it was the 4th. So So people were busy. They were riled (laughs) up. They were, they were, oh, they were extra patriotic that day. And it it was a bit, it was a bit much. But we got some amazing photos there, I think. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you do have to disconnect yourself from the place, which is kind of opposite from what a lot of photographers will tell you, that you have to connect with the place. Sometimes you don't, and that's okay. You know, your your object is to get good photos without being exploitative and, and being a dickhead or anything like that. But sometimes you do have to disconnect. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those times. But I, I think, think it was so. worth it. So the next place, Soda Springs, we want to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about Soda Springs. You <laughs> Another big town. <laughs> another too big of a town. Well, it was. We didn't photograph Soda Springs really at all. No, I just wanted to go there because I wanted to drink from the Soda Spring. And I did. It tastes kind of like rust. But it's cool. It's weird. It's so weird. It's naturally carbonated water. Yeah, it's strange. It's coming out of the earth. (laughs) The funny thing is, like, it is kind of incredible. Like, there's literal, like, fizzy water coming out of the earth. It's not something that you enjoy tasting, but it's something you kind of need to taste. I think so, too. maybe if we would have brought syrup or something, that would have been better? Oh, my gosh. I was just going to recommend, if you guys do plan on, like, going in through, definitely stop there, but bring some kind of flavor or something. Yeah. It would be more pleasant. And I was, like, so focused on this super loud, like, water explosion that was happening, like, next to where we were. And I was, like, staring at it, like, what is that? Like, what's happening over there? There was something gushing. There's, like, all this water. Like, there was – there's a lot of water in Idaho. And – California, we're just like drought, drought, drought. And I'm just like, look at all this fucking, there's like water everywhere. And it was raining too. There was water coming from the sky, you guys. Like real water coming from the sky. Can you believe that? Sorry. It it was the last time I saw rain, I think. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yikes. So we didn't shoot at Soda Springs, but we shot at a nearby town called Montpelier, a town that yes. I had been to four or five times before. Yeah, this is a, I a, haven't. No. And when we got there, there was that that rain that was coming from the sky started to kind of come in sideways. <laughs> it was pretty intense. Yeah. So we had to bunker down for a little bit and let this this uh, storm pass. And then we, you know, we we got out and had our film ready, and we walked around. And I was, I was a little hesitant. I was a little like, "Where? Okay, what are you going to shoot? All right, I guess I'm going to follow you around." You did, and I shot. Well, I shot there before, and I wanted to retake some shots, and I kind of wanted to just see what the town was up to. And it was one of those towns where, you know, there's some broken down buildings, and there's some interesting cars parked along roads. And honestly, I just had a. A really good photo time. And, you know, there's a radio shack on the main street. So if there is a radio shack, it's probably a cool town. So, yeah, we just like walked a block or two off off main and found a ton of photos, a really interesting textures and architecture. It was it was a pleasure, honestly. Yeah. And the sun came out a little bit. So we got some nice shadows. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful little time. 
I am looking forward to actually developing the role that I shot there. I shot the RB. I was walking around with the RB. So was I. <gasps> so we stayed uh, there the night, we decided, because of the storm, we kind of lagged. We were actually supposed to keep going ahead, but we decided to stay. Uh, so we stayed at a very expensive KOA. The most expensive place we stayed at the entire, I think, actually my entire time camping. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, KOAs, are, if, you, if you can avoid a KOA, avoid it. But if you can't, I guess they're there for like, you know, showers and it laundry. It was, I took a shower. That yeah. was, I mean, honestly, it was like a $40 shower. <laughs> that's, what it, that's, that's basically it. It does happen that way sometimes. Uh, the people that owned it, they were nice enough, but the lady like was hoarding animals, like ducks and stuff, and they were in small cages. And the whole time I was there, I was like, I am going to sneak out and open all these cages and let all these animals out. Yeah, it was kind of sad. People yeah. shouldn't shouldn't do that. Ducks can be ducks can be out. That's, ducks are outdoor animals. They don't need to be in cages. Yeah, like in a dirty cage. And then there was like this beautiful stream, like right next to where they were. Like, yeah. I couldn't even imagine like, oh my God, I'm in this tiny cage and here I could just be, ugh. Yeah. I think she had ugh. rabbits too. And it was, just, it was just weird. It was like a petting zoo that you couldn't use, you couldn't pet. And so it was just like animals in cages. It was a petting zoo that you didn't want to pet, you know? Yeah. Get some, some kind of virus for sure. <laughs> Thankfully, we were out of there the next day, and we wandered into Wyoming via back roads, and that was a beautiful morning. Oh, yeah. Um, The fossil place was really, really interesting. I was not expecting that, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, the fossil bed place. We didn't um, see any fossils. No. But there were some beautiful (laughs) scenes, and there was a, a really interesting timeline of the history of, I guess, the universe, or at least the world, that you can drive. Mm -hmm. You drive a timeline. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And honestly, worth it for that. Yeah. One of the things I enjoy doing when on the road is tourist traps and trinkets. I I kind of like that. It reminds me of going to the shore in Jersey when I was a kid. So we stopped at a place called Little America, where— I usually stop. It's in it's in Wyoming. It's near nothing, Wyoming, on Route 80. There's like a million signs for it, and I think they sell 50-cent uh, ice cream cones. I get fries there all the time. And the fries were good, right? You had the fries? Yeah, I got the fries, too. We had well, the fries. I had the fries, and I was, like, hungry, so I got onion rings, too, and that was a bad choice. <laughs> that was a bad choice. I got really sick. <laughs> Little America was a place we kind of stopped. I wanted to look at some trinkets. I looked at some trinkets. You chose not to. You kind of got into a bit of a mood. (laughs) I did. (laughs) We had a choice. We could continue on to tour. Well, our goal was going to Enchantment. Enchantment? Encampment. (laughs) Not Enchantment. Encampment, Wyoming. Whoa. And so there was one of two ways we could get there. We could get there via the interstate Lincoln Highway, or we could go down through Gates of Lodor, which we talked about last year, which we both visited last year. And so I thought like, well, you wanted to get some water. You wanted to be near water. And Gates of Lodor is that. And Gates of Lodor is really beautiful. And you were not down with that. No. I think that might be all you're going to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't know. I think I just, well, I was on my period, so... The whole trip, he got to deal with that. That's always fun. And that's fine. Um, I, I have no problem with that. No problem. I, I was a little spicy for sure, definitely. I'll, this I'll say day, that. This day you were, yes. I think that 
Eric didn't really understand when I said that, like, I need water, that I actually feel like I really, like, need water. Like, if someone invites me to go on a hike, and they're like, oh, we're gonna, like, do this hike, and, like, you know, at the end, there's, like, a lake, or there's a waterfall, then I'm down. But if we get to the end of it, and there's no water for me to jump in, I just don't understand what the point was. Like, there has to be water. Oh, was I freak the fuck out? <laughs> and, and you freaked the fuck out. I did. <laughs> and so, like, I was like, I need a minute. I'm going to go in my car and, like, pout for a second, and I will talk to you in a minute and figure out what we can do. We did not talk in a minute, though. We didn't? You, about five minutes later, you text messaged me and said something to the effect of, let's just go to White Mountain. Oh, Yeah. Yes. And and then we did. No words were spoken until we got to White Mountain. <laughs> and very few were spoken once we got there. White Mountain is, what do they call it? Like Wild Mustang Loop or something like that? Yes. I was really excited about the horses, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, we were going to go see some horses. And so White Mountain is, like I said, above Green River. Yeah, I think it's Green or River. Or close by there. Rock, Rock Springs, Wyoming. Anyway, it's above two towns. It's a very long, long dirt road. And we got there and and we were still kind of fighting. <laughs> Luckily, we're in separate cars. <laughs> we were, yeah, we were in separate cars. And so I, we got there and I kind of left her to her own thing. And I went out and I took some pictures mm-hmm. and I came back and you were a little better. We kind of, it's weird after a fight. We kind of just sort of, I think I was eating a can of, of peaches or something. And you made something, and you, would you like some of this? And we shared some food, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a, a neat, a neat way to, to to make up, I guess. The sunset was really nice. Oh, yeah, the sunset's I'm kind ridiculous of, there. I don't really like to fight. I actually no. t- give myself timeouts, so I just like kind of check out and be like, "All right, like I need a timeout. Let me be by my own, <laughs> be by myself for a little bit, and not talk about this anymore." <laughs> I think it worked. Because by the next day, I think the next day we were like, right in the morning. I think there was still a little bit of just kind of like, I know I was unsure, like, are you okay? Or are we okay? But the next morning we were enlivened by a herd of wild Mustangs. Yes. Probably one of my favorite moments of the entire trip. And yeah. that literally changed my mood right away. And it did. all was well in the world again. We We stopped. We got out of the car. They... Some of them sort of came up to us. They're obviously, you know, they're they're used to humans, but still a little leery of them, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I can relate. I can relate to that. Yeah, me too. I so, kept my distance, but yeah. they did not give a shit that we were there, which was kind of cool. Yeah. So we were able to photograph them fairly close. We were. And also there were some other animals in the herd, and we thought that was super funny. Do you remember that? There was an, there were a couple, like two or three antelope, two antelopes? Yeah. And yeah, they were just kind of like, well, I guess we're horses now. Yeah, they were just like hanging out with them. It was so yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that, and we went to, not enchantment, but encampment. And we're actually going to be talking about encampment next, next episode. episode. So we'll skip that. But we, we met your mom there, and it was the first time... I met your mom. Yeah. And I mean, I did warn you a little bit. Well, yes. And I I adore your mom. I, <laughs> I've grown to really, really adore her. Um, she is a very unique woman. <laughs> <laughs> things all just kind of make sense now. It, it does. Yeah. A lot of things clicked into place. Like, 
Ah, I see. I see how Vanya was made. <laughs> That's okay. That's hilarious. But, you know, you, you learned to shoot from your mom. I did. So it was interesting that, it was interesting because she wasn't shooting, but she was, you know, she traveled with us a little bit and mm-hmm. was very encouraging of us photographing and, and, mm-hmm. and was very interested in what we would shoot and interested in learning about me and talking to me. And I was interested in talking to her. And she had so many stories, so many, like, just, just, well, stories of all kinds, but so many interesting stories. It was, um, no, I don't usually travel with uh, another person, let alone another person and their mom. So it was, it was pretty neat. Pretty neat. Yeah. My mom had decided, and I think I mentioned this, uh, before we left on the trip that I was going to meet up with my mom and we we're going to travel together. So this is where we kind of met up and she tagged along and she was a trooper. I mean, honestly, she's kind of amazing. And, you know, for being as old as she is, she's just, she doesn't really complain and she's, she just goes with the flow. It's kind of awesome. We were along the Beartooth Highway and we got off at this one little lake with a bunch of rocks everywhere. She mm-hmm. jumps out of her out of her truck, runs over and starts scrambling over the rocks. And she's, she, how old is she? 75? Yeah, I think yeah. she's 76. And she was scrambling over the rocks like a kid. <laughs> and I was like, you know, at, at her first one, I was like, oh my goodness, do you need, and like, no, she needed nothing. <laughs> It was, <laughs> it was like, like oh off. my God, <laughs> it was amazing to see. And I would love to be that spry and, and carefree when I'm now, I would like to be that now <laughs> and I'm just not, but she was. And so it was a delight to be around somebody like that, like a, like a goal to shoot towards in some ways. Yeah. And she also talks and I did warn Eric about this. She talks to everybody. She does, yeah. And yeah. everybody loves, like, it's weird. Like, everybody loves her. Like, even the guy at the gas station that fucking hated me, <laughs> like, gave my mom free ice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he hated me. Yeah, and, like, she is, like, you, you're white passing. Yes. Your mom is not. No. 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 She's very <laughs> obviously Latin, and her accent is thick. <laughs> and... We were in, you know, Idaho and Wyoming and Montana and people who were, let's say, stereotypically, maybe not all in favor of Latin people. Well, I mean, we can't buy like the fuck Biden guy. <laughs> yeah, we did. And he was very anti-immigrant, but adored your mom, who is an immigrant. So it's a weird, it's a weird wall. And a little, a little, um, I guess a window into maybe how to break down this shit. Mm-hmm. Is we need to talk to each other more, but I don't know. One, you know, doing this person by person, we don't have enough time for that. But it was neat to see somebody as bigoted and ignorant really take a shine to your mom, and hopefully that maybe that planted a small seed and just like, well, maybe well, just people, yeah, maybe, and that's that's something you can maybe take from it, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but while we were in Montana, and we stayed along the Yellowstone, which was a beautiful river. I think I don't know if there's a part of the Yellowstone that isn't just gorgeous. True. It's such a beautiful river. It really is. We traveled to Terry, which yes. is the farthest east you went. Yes. 
We yes. did the, we did a day trip to Terry, Montana, and Terry is the home of Evelyn Cameron. Mm-hmm. So we left my mom, and we just took the day trip, and I was the worst <laughs> traveler <laughs> because I literally slept the whole time in the car while he drove. Yes, because I'm an did. asshole. <laughs> yes, you were there, mouth agape, snoring. And it's like, well, I guess I can do it. It was like a four-hour drive or something. Oh, my God. It was exhausting. Also, we stopped in this really cool town, Forsyth. Um, I put some of the pictures on my story. That place ruled. And we met some amazing people there, like hilarious characters. Do you remember their names? He he introduced himself as a famous Western artist. I don't know if he was that. But do you remember his name? I don't. I can't remember. I'm so sad. I'm really bad with names, but I'll always remember their faces. And I took a portrait of them in front of Blueberry. Blueberry. Ford pickup truck. I think it was like a like a 93, 92, like something like that. Early 90s. Yeah. Uh, Oh, with the license plate that said it was a Montana license plate, and it said organic. He was very, very proud of that. <laughs> he, he was incredibly proud of it. He was also proud of a purchase he apparently just made, though the timeline and all of this is very suspect. Well, he had pictures. He had and- pictures, but I mean, I thought this story didn't line up. The story didn't make sense. So it could be in the telling rather than in the truth. Possibly. He apparently bought and. I guess, moved the saloon that Calamity Jane owned near Forsyth in the 1800s. We went to the spot where it was supposed to be. He said there's still a chimney there. There was no chimney that we could see, but the 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 lane there was called Calamity Jane Lane. So, I mean, maybe... <laughs> I really wanted well, the to story, see it. Regardless, was really cool. The story was very just, cool. They were just so nice and kind, and honestly, we we're standing in the Montana, like Eastern Montana sun, for quite some time talking to them. Just like, uh huh, yep, sweating, yep. I know. <laughs> we probably should get into some air conditioning. It was. Hot. I don't think I put sunblock on yet. <laughs> <laughs> But when we got to Terry, we did visit the museums and it was it was wonderful again. I've been there before, but it was wonderful to see to see Evelyn Cameron's work that she printed herself and the you know the the the, the copies of you know the the um the contact prints of her photos and all of that. It was just really wonderful to see that. Yes, I agree. I I definitely think it's so much more impactful when you can stand in front of a picture that Someone that you have been reading about and talking about, you could see their work. You know, they touched this with their hands. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it is. And we saw her, uh, some artifacts from her life, like her pith helmet. And that was cool. Her her steamer trunks. trunks. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know, her her diaries are there. there there's, mm-hmm. there's so many wonderful things there. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was a, it was a, a fitting ending. Because we kind of parted ways there. Not and Terry. We went back and we think we did another day. But mm-hmm. that was kind of our last big hurrah. It was. So, yeah. yeah. And then we next day we went north to uh, Haver and did the underground tour and all of that. Like you do when you go to Haver. We mm-hmm. crossed the ferry on the, you know, across the Missouri River on a ferry. It mm-hmm. was, it was just a wonderful, wonderful day. I had such a, such a wonderful time traveling with you, actually. It was. It was really cool. And the windstorm was kind of amazing. 
The windstorm. Oh, yeah, in Haver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, insane wind in Haver. I enjoyed it very much. I felt like I was going to blow away, and that was a cool feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was. So, uh, overall, thoughts on the trip? Would you do it again? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I want to do it again, and I would like to obviously spend more time kind of instead of driving I mean it's okay to drive six hours but I want to stay like a whole day and then leave the next day like not just stop like if I really like a place even if it's not part of my initial plan if I love something I just feel like why leave spend an extra day Really explore it. Like if I, you know, if if you really like something and you had a good time shooting it, why not take an extra day? And there's, there's something to be said for that. I generally don't do that. But I think next year, um, especially with you, I think I'm going to try that. You know, maybe base ourselves out of a place yeah, for a I little like bit. Yeah, I like the idea of basing ourselves out of a place and then kind of doing like a perimeter, like every day go like north one day and, you know, northwest the next day and kind of go around the whole, you know, see everything that you can in a smaller area. So instead yeah. of doing so many miles, kind of spending more time photographing and spending more time Maybe, and and this is definitely me, this is not you, but spending more time just kind of relaxing. And, you know, like I I said a couple summers ago, I wanted to sit and do some cyanotypes. It's like, I want to spend the afternoon reading a book and throw a cyanotype outside in the sun. (laughs) And and just make my, you know, make a really nice dinner and not just (laughs) be in a hurry all the time. I guess because I get the bulk of my photos on my vacations, my vacations are very, uh, not chaotic, but active. Yes, he's I, crazy, you guys. He's like <laughs> nonstop. And he doesn't even drink coffee. He's a psychopath. I do not understand. He has vegan power. I don't know where it comes <laughs> from. I don't know how we can bottle it, but I don't, I, I don't know. He's not, he's not human. <laughs> no, uh, I guess uh, the moral of the story is don't travel with me. <laughs> No, I love it. Oh, my God. No, just being – he is – okay. And, again, if you've, photo, if you've photographed with someone before, it's so much fun. You get to see how someone photographs. And, you know, we, we're like BFFs. I mean, come on. So yeah. we laugh and we fight and we argue and we think of awesome ideas and we shoot together and we develop together. It's – you know, there's always going to be ups and downs, and not every day is going to be perfect, and we're people, so there's going to be issues. And I feel like we're strong enough to be like, hey, you're kind of an asshole, I need to go in the water and leave me alone for like five minutes, and I think that's okay. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so that was our trip. <laughs> Do you want, I know, do you want to vacation with me next year? I do, yes. Yes, I do. So tune in next year for the adventures of Asshole and Water Girl. (laughs) So while I wait listlessly and depressedly for my zines to be printed and reprinted, 
We've got a couple of zines to review. We do. We do. We took the summer off, and yet people still sent us zines. It's kind of cool. Got home, and there's just a big pile of mail waiting for me. I loved it. So (laughs) the first zine that I'm going to get was one that I got uh, pretty much right after I left, and it's Mark O'Brien's Monochromania, issue number five. Now, this started out as almost a textbook of different aspects of black and white film. Super interesting, very, very wordy. I loved it. But this issue is essentially a photo zine. That's a zine full of photos with very little text, though the text that is there is helpful and insightful. This issue is called Lens Dreams, and each photo is taken using, as Mark describes it, less than perfect optics. He ties this issue closely to his third issue, the one about toy cameras. And it all started a decade ago when he got his first lens baby lens. Like, what the fuck is a lens baby lens? I looked it up the other day. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I know they're like maybe cheap and funky and some are like bent and weird. I don't know. Okay. So it's, it's, is it a Lomo thing? Um, I, lens baby is the brand. I okay. do not know. That's okay. all I know. Someone come help Eric and explain it to him. Okay. And so that's where he got the idea for the zine. I guess like odd optics. And, you know, and that means a few of the photos in there about a decade old, which is really cool. Like digging back into the archives. The shots that he selected were very intentional with Mark trying to photograph more how a place or object felt rather than how it looked. And that really hits home to me. I, I, I shoot that way a lot. So each issue of Monochromania is different. And as the title suggests, it's a very manic thing. It jumps from one thing to another. And I like that. It's it's very different each issue. You never know what you're getting. And each is absolutely worth the very modest price of admission. You can follow Mark on Instagram at MFO Photos. And we'll have a direct link where you can buy the zine in the show notes. So I'd say pick it up. Vanya. Yes. What do you have? I have a carnival zine made by Liz Potter. <laughs> yeah, we both got one of these. And yes. uh, beautiful as damn usual. It, Liz. So Liz sent me her newest zine. It's a 10 by 10 square format zine filled with delicious T Max taken with the <laughs> Voigtlander. Okay, I'm going to mess this up. Perkio? I think it's Perkio. Okay, well, leave it to Liz to make a strange choice in a camera, but also make miracles happen. Mm -hmm. I obviously am fanning. Um, I adore Liz. She is simply a great photographer. I love to see her work and how she decides to display it for our eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) It's a smallish zine about a few days, May 13th, dot, 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 15th. (laughs) She made 100 copies and... I am totally bragging right now. I got number two. (laughs) It's so exciting. Uh, If you don't already follow Liz, I would 100% recommend checking her on Instagram. She has a metric fuck ton of knowledge when it comes to pinhole, darkroom developing, and zine making. Definitely worth a follow. Liz Potter Photography on Instagram. And again, links will be in the show notes for hers as well. Now, we don't normally review books. It's just something that we're not 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 interested in. We just we use books for the podcast. We use them for reference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so. there there's always books to review at some point if we ever get bored, right? Yeah, but we have a special book, and it's you we remember do. one of the last episodes from last season. 
featured an interview with Heartless Twyla about creating her first book, Technicolor Nightmares, bipolar disorder through the lens of lucid dreaming, night terrors, and analog photography in the early 2000s. It's a mouthful, but it the zine is, the zine, the book, sorry, is a book full. It's a 100 plus page hardback, and we saw a few sample pages here and there, but now that I have the book in my hands, I'm... I'm speechless. It's a lot. This thing is dense. The layout is chaotic, but not random. There's a cold calculation to these warm photos she's selected. And the whole thing is heavy. I don't just mean heavy to lift. It's like, you know, heavy on the heart. If you remember, it, it isn't just a photo book. It's like a transcription of some of her journals and her and her blog posts and, and love letters. Things that she, I guess, never really meant for like large publication. So the whole time you're reading it, you kind of have this feeling that maybe you shouldn't be reading this, but you know, obviously you're supposed to be, and you can't really pull it away. It's it's a some of the the writing seems almost mundane in a way, but as a whole, it's it, all those pieces make sense. It, nothing is really mundane in it. It's all selected very purposely, and it was all written, I think maybe stream of consciousness, but purposefully. It, it reads often like a dream, which is which is fitting. It's it, The whole thing, she begins her entire book with, I don't know where sleeping ends. And mm. yeah, and it, I, I always, I, one of the things I do is I like looking at books, novels especially, and seeing what's the first line, what's the line they open with. Because that's really fucking important. And so that was one of the first things I did with her book was I checked What's the first line? What's the first line? And it is, I, I don't know where sleeping ends. You can follow Heartless Twyla at Heartless Twyla on Instagram. We will hopefully have a way to, to purchase this book or the or the ebook of it that's available as well uh, in our show notes. So please stay tuned for that. And thank you, Mark, Liz, and Twyla for these books, these, these zines, these publications. I don't know. I so often feel that we're not worthy of getting these things that we get. And it's just, fuck, thank you. <laughs> it, it's really, we have a cool job, Vanya. <laughs> it's not a job. It's fun. <laughs> Fair enough. All Through a Lens is brought to you by our lovely Patreon subscribers. Patreon helps us pay for hosting, books, our newspaper.com account, for research, audio equipment, and much, much more. We would like to thank our subscribers for support. We couldn't do it without you. And if you like bonus episodes, full-length interviews, and extra nonsense, you can become a Patreon subscriber yourself. We've got three different levels of support, with the cheapest being less than a buck an episode. So head over to patreon.com slash lens for more info. Oh, hey, Vanya. Yes? What does the next week look like for you, you know, film photographically speaking? Mm, well, I'm hoping water stuff. I want to play well, with my surprise. point and shoots, honestly. I kind of have been neglecting my Minolta Weathermatic and my Nikonos 5, so I'm hoping to run some rolls of 35mm through them. Uh, an Insta friend, Devin, 
at Devonopolis <laughs> sent me some brackets to use with my scanner. So I'm pretty excited to try those out. This will be kind of a new system for me to try. I've been kind of having a really hard time with the glass, been getting really funky lines. And honestly, like, it's it's kind of put me off on on uh, developing and scanning lately. So yeah, I was getting some of those as well. And they kind of just mostly went away for me. And I don't know if it's I updated the software because I think it is a software issue. But yeah, that that does it really just makes it a grind, doesn't it? It does. So I am looking forward to trying this. It was really neat. He he sent me these because uh, out of the kindness of his heart, honestly, <laughs> and I can't thank him enough. It's Aww. so amazing. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of my goal. I have a ton of 35 millimeters, so I need to get shooting. What about you? What, do, what are you up to? God, I have hardly left the house since coming back from the trip. I mean, like it's work and that's literally it. Mm. Eastern Washington is basically shut down right now due to fire threats and, and literal fire. So all my camping places are off limits. Some of them are closed. I get it, but you know, it's really, really frustrating. So next week and then a week after that and the week after that will probably look a lot like this week, which is developing, scanning and getting ready for the new season of All Through a Lens. <laughs> I do want to plug one thing and it's a, a new website called filmstock.app. It's not an app. And what it does is it searches several shops for cameras and film. It's very much film cameras and, and film. It's just starting out. It's something worth checking out. I'm kind of excited for it because, I mean, we spend a lot of time sending each other cameras, like used cameras from eBay and Shop Goodwill and things like that. Oh my gosh, we, I love it. <laughs> and so here's kind of, they're all kind of all in one place from several different places. And I think it's a really good idea. I'm surprised it hasn't happened before. Yeah, this is cool. So you, this is kind of like your one stop. Like if you're looking for that weird, obscure thing, like just instead of searching the interwebs for hundreds and hundreds of years, you can go here and it'll kind of show you where you can find them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's cool. great stuff. Yes. Yeah, so check that out. And that about does it for the first episode of the third season. We'll return in a week with Dev Party, where we'll be developing the 110 film shot in the Astrocam Rocket Camera. Is there anything else you got to say, Vanya? Thank you for listening to All Through a Lens, you guys. I'm so happy to be back. If you'd like to contact <laughs> us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's allthroughalens.podcast at gmail. And we're all through a lens on Twitter. You can also check out our show notes on allthroughalens.com. Vanya is at Surf Martian. And Eric is at conspiracy.of.cartographers. Both on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, make sure to hashtag your stuff, hashtag all through a lens podcast to be featured. We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode, so check those out and see what we're listening to. Just search all through a lens. And this time around, it's songs about space. Mm. Mm. You can also find our episodes on Spotify, as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you find your podcast. Subscribe and leave us a review. The music you're hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com. And thank you all so much for coming back and so much for listening to us. We love you. We'll see you next week at Dev Party. Vanya. Uh, do you still want to go out and shoot? Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs>
I can make it in my van. <laughs>